welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me, as always, is Cameron Spann. Oh. Hello. And Court Winsett. Mmm, Court. <laughs> um, you switched things up. I, I was not ready. did. I'm so, I would try to keep you on your toes. You got to be stage ready, ready to go, whatever life throws at you, right? Sure. <laughs> We kind of want to have fun. We are going to throw a little bit of finance with this one because, again, ladies and gentlemen, if you've learned anything from any of our episodes... We can make finance apply to any topic we want. Because money is everywhere. It touches everything. <laughs> it is indeed. It's, yeah. It's so absolutely. We, so really, when we say we're a financial podcast, we can talk about whatever we want. Pretty much. That's the, that's the angle we're taking nowadays. <laughs> and I will give a teaser. We've got some exciting guests coming up for this season. So finally, we're actually getting guests lined up to be here. But... This particular episode, we are going to talk about Broadway. <laughs> now, I know early on in the show, we sang a lot of songs. So mm-hmm. if there's ever an episode to sing on, I feel like this is the one, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely. I just want to point out that I know somewhere in the world, my daughter just passed out, <laughs> fainted from happiness. The second she heard what this episode was about, she just went, Groop. She's saying, why am I not a guest on this episode? Well, this, I mean, that's what this, this daughter is the one that has been a guest on the show before. The reason for Broadway? Well, we're kind of Broadway fans around here. We're very involved in the local theater here. I got married at the local theater. Court did theater. And we're just all big Broadway fans. We like musicals, plays, all of that. And... That is very much an entertainment element that some people put a lot of weight to. You know, they may get season tickets at their local theater. They travel to New York and go and see Broadway shows. And so having fun with it, we're going to talk about some of the best shows, the longest running, um, kind of the financials behind Broadway shows. But I did want to say that this episode is airing. We've got it in August and there is a date coming up and I want to make sure that we we talk about it. It's Women's Equality Day, mm. August 26th. This was in 1973. Congress designated August 26th to commemorate the 1920 certification of the 19th Amendment granting women the right to vote. I was actually shocked that this has been around since 1973. I guess it's one of those that it we nobody really talked about it that much prior to you know the past several years. And maybe it was one of those that was on those calendars that had like macaroni and cheese day and like stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I's a woman. <laughs> And I didn't know this had been around that long. Before we sat down to record this episode, I had not even heard of it. So there you go. This is calling attention to women's continuing efforts towards full equality in workplaces. The workplaces, libraries, organizations, and public facilities now participate with programs, display videos, all kinds of things. So obviously on August 26th, you go support women in business, um, get involved in the workplace, advocate for inclusiveness. I mean, just, it's a cool day. Girl power. Like, let's listen to some Spice Girls. (laughs) I love women. Go women. (laughs) Yay, women. August 26th, don't be a misogynist day. (laughs) It's not that hard. You have one day. Try. Okay, let's talk about Broadway. Um, we're going to kind of do this a little different. Instead of having our list up at front, we're going to actually end the episode with some lists. We're having a little fun today. Oh, I switched it up with having Cam be introduced up. first. Big time. And so let's... let's Doing the old flippity-flop. Flippity-flop. Okay, Broadway. Broadway. Do you know the difference between what's considered Broadway and off-Broadway? Well, uh, no, because... 
I've been to New York many times and seen many Broadway shows, and most of them are in theaters that are not actually on Broadway. So it's got to be something other than that. <laughs> okay, so what distinguishes Broadway versus off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway is simply the number of seats in the theater. So there can be a theater not on Broadway with enough seats to be count it as a Broadway. Broadway. And there, yeah. are, way. there, there are, are multiple theaters yeah. that are not actually on the street Broadway that are Broadway theaters. Yeah, um, oh. only four of the 40 Broadway show theaters are actually on Broadway. Cameron's mind just exploded. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, his so, mind is blown. I don't even know what to do. So <laughs> what that means is theaters with a house larger than 500 seats are considered Broadway theaters. Or on Broadway theaters. So that's that's all. It's, it goes to the seats. Sure. So if they have 500 seats or more, they are Broadway. Whether they're actually located on Broadway or not. Cool, cool. So those theaters with houses between 99 and 499 seats are off Broadway. Okay. Now, are we talking strictly New York? Yes. Okay, that's what this I assumed. Is, I just I, I wanted to make sure that this didn't like count as the, like it went across the country. Like, well, we have more than five hundred seats. We're Broadway. I just wanted to make sure. No, just no. make sure. This okay. Is, this is just talking about New York. This is you know because obviously there are so many theaters across the country. Yes. And that's a whole other episode of some really <laughs> great historic theaters around the world. <laughs> Our Collierville High School theater has what? It's got over a thousand seats in well, it. The reason I ask, and I assumed we were talking about New York, but when sh- big shows come to the Orpheum, it's yeah. their Broadway lineup. And I'm like, are they considering that Broadway? No. I just wanted to clarify. Okay. So it doesn't have to do anything with the quality of the show. And really it's, you know, there's never really rules around that. But I, I was interested interested to see this because I've heard it's an off-Broadway show and in my mind I always thought that meant it wasn't good enough to be considered a Broadway show. I've learning this as we're doing this episode mm-hmm. because I've been to New York and yeah I kind of had a negative connotation in my head oh it's off-Broadway so oh, it's not going to be that great. I, well I can say for sure that I, I never felt that they, there was a negative connotation to it. Uh, I just knew that it was distinguished from Broadway shows by being off-Broadway. But yeah, some some great shows Mm -hmm. are off-Broadway shows. So we already said before, but only four of the 40 Broadway show theaters are actually on Broadway. Mm -hmm. All the other theaters are in the theater district in blocks east and west of Broadway around Times Square. Yes. Which, I mean, that's, it's crazy. If you go to New York, then it's, you, if you're doing multiple shows in a day, you can be bouncing between multiple places trying to get around to them. But it's still kind of together. The Broadway area is a pretty concentrated area of theaters. You're not going like up to the Upper West Side to get to a Broadway theater. They're, They're They're all in one area. Yeah. Ticket prices are higher on Broadway because it goes with the cost of creating and running a show, which are also higher. And so, I mean, that's one of those that when you're buying a ticket to a show, you've got to think about it. It's that's paying the actor, that's paying the stagehand, that's paying the ushers, that's paying the theater, it's paying so many different things. It's kind of like, uh, this is kind of a side note, but my brother used to work at Malco um, Movie Theaters, which is the local chain around here. And when you paid for your movie ticket, almost, I think, a huge margin of the ticket price went to the movie producers, went to the movie companies. And the theater itself kept very little of the actual ticket, but where they got their money was the concessions. Mm-hmm. And so I would imagine there's some of that with a Broadway theater as well, is that yeah, the price of the ticket, a lot of it's probably going to the house, going to the copyrights of the show, going to different things like that. But they're still making money by 
you buying the merchandise, you buying the beverages, donating to the different things. Because I think every every time you go to Broadway show, they're going to ask for a donation for something. <laughs> I feel like. At least in New York, that's the case. Or maybe I just always tend to go during Maybe you're like, just hitting it during, like they, there are some specific weeks that they have well, where they make, make a big deal about asking for donations. And My stuff. donation is the $20 kitty-sized cocktail I got at the Lion King on Broadway. <laughs> Gosh. Okay, musicals on Broadway typically have an average initial cost of nine point six million, and for off-Broadway musicals, one million. Yeah. So when we talk about the difference of Broadway versus off-Broadway is not quality; it's seat number, but then it's not sometimes as well. So well, I mean, it's 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 less expensive to do an off-Broadway show. One of the things you have to take into consideration when you talk about this is the fact that. Fewer seats probably means a smaller stage, too. You're just simply not staging as large of a production when you're an off-Broadway show as you are when you're on Broadway. So, yeah, the the staging is smaller, the show is smaller, and because of the size difference, it's less expensive. So really, what it is, is we can't be comparing apples to apples because it's we're looking at different size stages, different size. Yeah, absolutely. Like, because the next statistic on here was talking about the weekly running cost, but obviously, so okay, Broadway typically two hundred fifty to six hundred fifty thousand, off Broadway fifty to a hundred thousand. But if you are in a Broadway theater, you've got more people that have to be there for ushers. You have more stage capacity, which means you probably have a bigger chorus line, a bigger production, more actors. Yeah. Versus, think about some of those shows where it's kind of like the one person is playing like five or six different roles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So Broadway shows are anything over 500 seats, right? Uh 500 seats and over. One of the things that we're giving here is average numbers. So if you if you think about it, a house that seats 99, which I think is the the minimum seat number for an off-Broadway theater, Uh is 99. A house that seats 99 probably has way smaller affairs than a house that seats four ninety nine, mm-hmm. but they're both categorized as off-Broadway theaters, off-Broadway shows. So the average cost of those two theaters for a show in both of those theaters is going to average out to somewhere significantly lower. But yeah. I bet you a 499-seat theater probably has costs that are closer to like a Broadway show type cost than they are the 99 cent theater. I mean, if you're at 499, I mean, wouldn't you theater. just like pop up a chair real fast? Yeah, throw, up, throw up a folding chair on the side yeah. of the stage. Yeah. Or if you don't want to be considered Broadway, then just like knock out a chair real quick and be, oh, we're, no, we're off Broadway today. Oh, no, we're off Broadway today. Obviously, I'm joking. For an actor on Broadway, the current base minimum weekly salary $1,861 and off-Broadway between $566 and $1,008, depending on the size of the house. Now, think about it. $1,861 a week may sound really great when you first are looking at it. I mean, that's, you know, $3,600 every two weeks. That's $7,200 every, every month. But this is in New York. These are Broadway actors that have to live somewhat close to the theater where they are working. So they are paying high prices to live where they are. And when you think about it that way, those wages are, are not, I'm not saying they're terrible, but they're not like mind-blowingly good. Well, and I mean, I'm sure that's maybe gross. And then you've got to consider 
these actors are having to pay dues for unions and Broadway does have unions, so that is part of it. Yes. They've got the uh, actors' equity for all Broadway productions. Basically, you know, that's the group. So yeah, it's expensive, and obviously, like just because you get one show doesn't mean you're going to get another one, and it doesn't mean you're you're going to be replaced. And so they may get this money, but they're also having to invest in themselves, invest in their future, have things like insurance, all of that. Okay, Court, I'm going to let you take the next one because I don't want to try and pronounce that. Oh, my word. Okay. <laughs> Hang on. I got you. Wick Jack. Broadway was originally known as the Wick Jack Trail. The Wick Jack were Muncie speaking band of Woodpinger people who once lived along the east bank of the Hudson River of today's Westchester County, New York, and down into the Bronx. It used to be their trade route, and so it was originally carved into the brush of Manhattan by its Native American inhabitants. Additionally, the trail snaked through swamps and rocks along the length of Manhattan Island. Uh, Upon the arrival of the Dutch, however, the trail was widened, and it soon became the main road through the island from New Amsterdam at the southern tip. I don't know if you have this in here, but I have some trivia on Broadway, the street. Let's, Let's hear it. It is the longest street in the world. Did you know that? I thought I'd read I that. I learned somewhere. that in when I was playing trivia. It's 150 miles long. It stretches from the southern tip of Manhattan to Albany, New York. It is known as the longest street in the world. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is. Yeah, think yeah. of where it started with these. Uh, Say it. W people. <laughs> the W people. It was know. so mean that you gave that to court, but I, I get it. I, yeah. I get it. No, no. I do not try and pronounce weird things anymore after you two making fun of me all the time. So, <laughs> no. I just. I politely give it to someone who is much more equipped to pronounce the word. Wick question. Wick question. Here's another tongue twister. One of the now oldest and still operating Broadway theaters is the Lyceum Theater. Lyceum Theater, which was built in 1903. Obviously, it's you know history, and with that street being the longest, being around for so long, then there's a lot of historical theaters. And I will tell you, for anyone who's never been to New York and gone to a Broadway theater, prepare yourself with the seating, because when you go to maybe your local city theater or something, and you may think those seats are tight, go to New York, because some of those theaters... You are so steep that ladies don't wear heels because you might trip and then end up on the stage because the angle is so intense. I mean, not really, but I feel like it is some days. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, they're they're very much about cramming the theater, like getting people in there. And so it is not necessarily roomy seats or a lot of leg room. And so think about that. Yeah, that's what threw me off at both... At a Broadway show I went to and in Chicago, because we're used to the Orpheum Theater here with thousands of seats. It's wide, it's spacious, but there it's it's very steep and narrow. Yeah, when I went to go see uh, Chicago, I guess a couple years ago, we were on in kind of like a balcony area, but it was like a straight shot down. It was It was very intense. Because you think about with New York, they're limited with how they build, and so they've got to use every bit of their space. So they're going to build at angles. They're going to have to build up, and they're going to want to, okay, do we want to have a little bit more legroom for our patrons and have comfort, or do we want to try and squeeze more bodies in because more bodies means more tickets, means more concessions, more merchandise, and the rest is history. Okay, did you guys know this? There is no I in Broadway. No, we're not referring to the word spelling, but while rows A through H and J through Z are present, there isn't a row I. There were too many people getting disappointed when they realized their row one was actually row nine. So to avoid the confusion, the row was taken off. 
Whoa. Yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, it makes sense, but we need to call Keiki and say, is this true? Is this in all the theaters? <laughs> So this rule was imposed when people started flocking to the front seat with their row eye ticket. Fights and disappointment followed. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously that's where uh, they're like, okay, how do we avoid this? No more eyes. Um, among the many Broadway theaters that are believed to be haunted, the Palace Theater is said to have had almost 100 spirits and are supposedly stalking the theater. The most frequent phantom is Judy Garland. Ooh, that's fun. Who has performed in this theater in the 1950s. Many people have seen her appear near the door in the orchestra pit. So that's, I mean, what do you think about that? Judy Garland. That's pretty cool. And then another common visitor is Louis Bossolina. Am I saying that right? I think so. I mean, it's and as close as I would get. an acrobat <laughs> who was gravely injured during a high wire act in 1935 when the theater was a vaudeville house. Which that's kind of cool because if you know Memphis history, the Orpheum Theater started out as a vaudeville. Did it? It did. It I thought it started out as a movie theater. I think it was movie theater, vaudeville, movie theater, theater. It's Or vaudeville, movie theater, mm. something like I get it okay. mixed up. But it was a movie theater and it was a vaudeville house. Mm. Because then there was a fire at one point. Yeah, speaking of ghosts on Broadway, there are ghosts supposedly at the Orpheum, right Katie? Oh, yeah. I mean, you've met them? Is that what yeah. I hear? I've had some interactions with Mary. Little Mary. Um, yes, I think most theaters... There's ghosts. If it's been around for a while, there's ghosts. And there are, um, you think about the art of theater, and this is kind of branching off, the superstitions of break a leg. There's a lot of, I mean, I, I never professionally performed in any kind of plays or anything like that, but I know there's a lot of superstitions around people with shows and like rituals they'll do to make sure like, okay, they're going to have a great show. Things don't go bad. And I've heard of, especially with our theater, people coming in and doing seances and doing things just to kind of like make sure the theater welcomes them and that they respect the theater. You got to get friendly with the ghosts before you sing. The arts are very much tied to, you know, respect and history and kind of paying your dues. And so I think a lot of people embrace that. Talking about like if you were, to, I don't know what show's playing right now in the Palace Theater, but... I would think that... Uh, Let's Google it. I would think that you'd want to say hi to Judy Garland. I mean, that's awesome. But uh, like we have a Wurlitzer organ at the Orpheum Theater. And for the longest time, it was out of commission. It wasn't working. And it's kind of spooky that when they were like, well, we may have to get rid of it. We can't... You know, the person who always worked on it, he had passed away. That's such a rare instrument that it's hard to get people to come and fix it. That it's something magically happened one night before they were going to decide to get rid of it and it started working again. That's cool. Yeah. I definitely get interested in the history part of the shows. Okay, while Court's looking up the Palace Theater, who what's playing there right now and maybe who's being haunted by Judy Garland, because who wouldn't want to be haunted by Judy oh, Garland? Oh my, oh my, oh what, my. What's playing there right now? <laughs> SpongeBob the Musical. <laughs> SpongeBob the Musical is being haunted by Judy Garland. Judy Garland is probably... Not real happy about SpongeBob. Now being in I her will. Theater. I will tell you that my daughter has seen this show, and she stands by the decision to see it. She said it is actually a good show. Okay. Uh, which yeah. I didn't even know there was a show about SpongeBob. Yes, there is. <laughs> so you've probably heard of Aladdin. Yes. Um. So there is actually quote unquote magic with the Broadway world. The mystery of the flying carpet in the Aladdin production has baffled many for years. And the uh, artist, Bob Crowley, he is very tight-lipped about the technology he's used to create this art, leading to many theories, but no revelations as of yet. 
And so uh, this is definitely something, you know, how does he make that magic carpet fly? I haven't seen Aladdin, so I have no idea what this magical thing looks like, but I'd be interested to see it. There's got to be some magic to it. I, it's the genie's magic, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, and so the genie in Aladdin, played by James Monroe, has to shower twice after each show in order to remove all the glitter. So not remove the blue, but remove the glitter. Yeah, he he doesn't really care about removing the blue. He's all about walking around like a blue guy. But the the glitter, the glitter has got to go. Well, no, but if has it? If you've ever had glitter on you at all, glitter gets everywhere. And it follows you for weeks. It does. I was blowing up balloons a couple weeks ago that had confetti in it, and confetti and glitter are like brother and sister. One of them popped in the middle of the night, and it went everywhere. I'm still finding confetti everywhere. I don't know where it's coming from but it's everywhere. And so, yes, glitter will follow you everywhere. You're haunted by a glitter ghost. Okay, so let's start these lists, and I know we're going to have some sidebar conversations because this is Broadway. Five longest-running Broadway musicals. Let's start at the bottom of this list. Uh, Thanks, Nicole, for finding this list for us. She added on here, so this is not in the top five, but... Hamilton, if you have ever listened to any episodes, is one of Court's absolute favorite shows. Yes. And it made number 34 on the longest running Broadway musicals. Right now it's sitting at over 2,000 performances. It started in 2015 and it's still running today. Yep. As a matter of fact, the uh, cast of Hamilton performed on Good Morning America in the morning recently. And obviously it's kind of, that's skewed of because it just started. It was started in 2015. Mm. So who knows how long it's going to be and it could surpass some of these other ones on here. Uh, she also added on here Book of Mormon because I think that's another one you mentioned court to her. And so that's number 14 on the list of the longest running. Mm. It's been going since 2011. It's had over 4,000 performances. Yeah, I think that's one that I mentioned specifically because I was like, is that still showing? (laughs) I couldn't believe that it was still running, but it is. Okay, starting with our top five longest running Broadway musicals. And okay, so some of these are no longer running, Mm -hmm. so they could very well be surpassed. Yeah. Uh, But this is the top five as of right now. Hey, you want to start with five or one? Uh, why don't we go from five to one? Okay. That'll, that'll be more fun. Wicked started October 2003, still going on right now. Over 7,000 performances, and it's very close to, to number four. Number four. Mm-hmm. Um, so it may pass this one, but obviously if you've never seen Wicked, Wicked is the other story, the other side of the story for Wizard of Oz. It is an incredible incredible show. I I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorites for sure. And as a dancer, I was very impressed with the Emerald City dancers because I think it's in every show, but I did see one showing of it in a a local theater that the girl did not have this, but it's green point shoes. Mm. And just as the dancer in me, I really geeked out over the fact that she had green point shoes because I remember when I was competing, I had to get a Sharpie and color mine black for a Fosse performance. So so I just, I want some green point shoes, but okay, sorry. Yes, go see Wicked. Incredible songs, incredible story. Um, You will cry, you will love it. It's amazing. It's interesting. I have a theory, uh, and, and my theory is almost blown completely out of the water by Hamilton because it's not true with Hamilton, but most Broadway shows that I have seen their showstopper song is right before intermission. Uh-huh. I mean, most of them. And Wicked is no exception. That I went into that show with absolutely no familiarity 
with the soundtrack whatsoever. So I'm just watching this show cold. I, I didn't know anything about it. And man, the song right prior to, to intermission just blew me away. Oh. <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible. When Wicked came to Memphis for the very first time, uh, our company actually did an event, a client event with it, and we had fun little green martini glasses, and we had some of the cast come and meet us afterwards. And I just remember being so blown away because Elphaba was this just like cute little thing, and just with this incredible boisterous mm. voice. And the wizard for that show was actually the main camp counselor from Heavyweights. No way. Yeah. So I have a hoodie that I have all of their autographs on the back of it. And it's just, it was, it was really cool. Okay. okay so the fourth <laughs> longest running show that is probably going to be overtaken by Wicked soon because it is no longer running is Cats. Started in October of 1982 and ran through September of 2000, 7,485 performances total. I don't know if this is my first show I ever saw, but this was my first memory of a Broadway show I saw. And um, it was it was in Memphis, but Cats is one of those, do not watch the movie and think that the movie is going to be what the show is. If for anybody who's like not wanting to go see the show because they watched the movie. Well, also if you like clear narrative in your shows or in your plays, Cats is probably not the show for you. Cats is really about the music and the dancing. Yep. Uh, and there's a very thin line of story that is told throughout, but it's basically a lot of little vignettes about the different cats, and that's all. It's a really fun show, and it is really good music. When I saw this, they were, is when they would go into the audience and stuff, and so I vividly remember, like, my dad made me sit on the aisle seat, and one of the cats came running by at the beginning and, like, did the whole, like, movement. Obviously, it was a person, but it was dressed as a cat, and, like, came and, like, almost put their head in my lap, and I'm like... What is happening? Oh my gosh. But yeah. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with the story, but I just know that the cats have the weirdest names. Mm -hmm. Mr. Jigglesworth and Mrs. Tinkles. I mean, <laughs> what? I don't know, but it's it's in the same family, right? No. Uh, Mr. Mistopheles. Um, oh, uh, I can't think of their names right now. There's got to be a Mr. Jigglesworth in there. No. It's not there's Jigglesworth. the Rum Tum Tugger. There's... You guys yes. are acting like these are normal names. <laughs> we grew up with these. Okay, so that is number four. Um, I'm sad that, obviously when it says it's no longer running, yes, you can still see it in local theaters. It just means it's no longer running on, on Broadway. Broadway. Yeah. Number three on the list with over 9,000 performances is The Lion King. And I've had the pleasure of seeing this twice, once on Broadway and once at the Orpheum. And just taking my kids to it last year was a highlight of my life. Especially yeah. the intro when the animals are walking down the aisle and the sun is rising. Goosebumps. They did a great job with this show, just visually with everything they brought in, making the animals. And I think this may have been one of those that why our local theater had to blow out the back part of their theater, expand the stage to allow for bigger shows to come in. Okay, uh, number two, Chicago. Chicago. So this is a uh, present still. It started in 1996 and still going over 10,000 performances. I'd love to do a statistic. I haven't, I don't have the numbers with me, but the number of different Roxy Hearts there's been. Hmm. I mean, there's been so, like Pam Anderson, I think is currently doing it. Uh, Brand, I saw Brandy as Roxy. Pa the Pamela Anderson? Yes. 
You know, what's interesting is <laughs> what, what what is interesting to me is when you said Chicago, I was thinking to myself, well, yeah, but it had a revival. So, you know, they probably combined both runs and, you know, but no, this is actually the revival only yeah. that we're talking about. The, it Since started 96. in 96 and it's, it's still running to present, which blows my mind. I liked the movie Chicago. Yeah. Broadway to movie adaptation. Razzle dazzle. So how I pitched your court would be in a courtroom. I'm I'm terrible with character names. Billy Flynn. Pretty sure it was Billy something. Okay. All right. And the number one longest running Broadway musical, Phantom of the Opera, January 1988 to present over 13,000 performances. Yeah. So it's as old as we are, Katie. It is. Andrew Lloyd Webber. Pretty sure just this year, my daughter went and saw Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. And I was like, why are you going to see that? She's like, because I've never seen it on Broadway. You know, she was just... It's uh, good. It's another one. I I grew up watching this play, saw it many, many times. I was not a fan of the movie, but that, that op- their opening scene of when they're doing the auction and with the chandelier, just that always amazed me so much with that show and how that, that was before. Like, now you expect a lot of the special effects and things like that with shows, but I mean, that was big. That's yeah. a huge deal. Yeah, the, sh- the, the chandelier, back when they pulled that out, that was... That was a big deal. And actually, I don't know how many times the the Orpheum has been expanded, but I know that they expanded the Orpheum specifically because it couldn't fit Phantom. Phantom. Okay, that's what it was instead Um, of Lion King. The Orpheum's gone through several renovations, Mm -hmm. so I don't know uh, what other changes have been made. But I I remember back in... Okay, so this has been around since 88, and I still had not seen it as as late as like 96 because it couldn't come to the Orpheum because the Orpheum wasn't big enough to hold it. Okay. And it was was after the expansion that it finally came to the Orpheum. Yeah, because it's got some big scene numbers, like Masquerade has a lot of people well, yeah, masquerade with, I mean, the whole grand staircase mm-hmm. thing, that's huge. The epitome of a just giant Broadway show. Just yeah. everything about it was big and over the top. Well, uh, these top five, like, longest-running shows are also incredible music that a lot of people recognize. What were you going to say, Kim? I was just going to say that's a good segue because our next list, the highest grossing, is very similar to mm-hmm. the list we just went over. Yeah. Highest grossing Broadway shows and others as of 2021. So we'll go top to bottom on this one. Lion King, which was, you know, on longest running, total gross, 1.68 billion, still performing. Mm-hmm. It's those cocktails they sell. Yeah. That's why it's so Number two, high Wicked, total gross, 1.4, still performing. Phantom, 1.3, still performing. Chicago, 681.1 million, still performing. Book of Mormon, 659.6, and they're still going. And then Hamilton, I know we said top five, but Hamilton is number six, and that's at 649.9. Now remember, that one started way later than all these other ones, so Hamilton probably will... Jacked up ticket prices help with the <laughs> the large amount of money that they have brought in, because yeah. their ticket prices are high. And so Cats is number 10 on the highest grossing, and the reason why that one's on here, I know we said five, but that's because it was on the longest running list. Okay, this next list is kind of fun. Um, The Broadway flops. (laughs) I wish we had a little bit more knowledge that we could impart on exactly what goes into the production and financing of a Broadway show because it would be interesting to sort of know like who the financiers are behind Broadway shows and how that money 
a lot of it now is corporate, like Disney puts shows on and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But you know, the, the finances behind Broadway shows would be interesting. But when you think of it in the context of okay, somebody financed this, and these these flops, somebody lost money when they financed some of these shows because these are some big losers. Yeah. This first one, the biggest loser, Spider-Man: Turn Off the Dark. I feel like it was plagued from the get-go. You know, it had a lot of big stunts in it, mm-hmm. and uh-huh. multiple actors were injured. I think audience members were injured. My boys Bono and the Edge from U2 created the music for it, which was cool. Which should have helped it. It should have helped it, but it lost $60 million and closed its doors quickly. Oof. Yeah. I mean, wasn't it starting kind of around the pandemic time frame, too? It was earlier. earlier. It was earlier. earlier. Considerably okay. earlier, yeah. Okay. I, I think it was maybe it 13 cl- or 14. 2013, maybe? Yeah, I mean, they went to stage with Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark after Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man movies did so well. They were like, oh, so hey, earlier. we can capitalize on this. Let's let's do Spider-Man stage. Kind of to your point, Court, there's Broadway flops, but there's so many that don't even make it to the doors opening up that they get hung up with either can't find financing or can't find actors. Like, there's so much that goes into it. And it is, it's humans that you're having put this on you've got to have money you've got to have the talent someone has written these different shows and they're trying to find their fictitious character so bring the date cam 2010 2010 it opened and closed (laughs) lord well this next one breakfast at tiffany's 1966 had four previews and zero performances. Yikes. That means it's, you know, they went through their kind of teasers, show their investors the shows, and nope. Carrie the Musical, 1988. I didn't even know this was a thing. I <laughs> didn't even I didn't even recall this ever being a possibility of a show. But it did have, it ran 16 previews. It actually did five performances before it closed, and it lost $8 million. Kelly the Musical in 1965. I don't even know what that means. I don't either. But seven previews, one performance, lost $650,000. In 1965. Yeah. Which so is... would be way jacked up now. Yeah. And then, again, another show that I have not heard of would be Into the Light. 1986, 13 previews, six performances, grossed under 100000 total. Okay, so Ke- I did look up. Kelly the Musical was about a hot Kelly, a daredevil busboy. Okay. Well, I'm kind of understanding why it flops. So don't name your show after uh, light or dark. That's what I'm hearing. Turn off the dark, into the light. Yes, they're bad, they're doomed. Bad ideas. And the final one is Pipe Run. Yeah. 73 performances. Whoop. Obviously, there's so much that goes into this. There's so many different reasons on why something is successful or not. And just because even though you have Bono behind it doesn't mean it's going to be successful. You can't injure your audience. Yeah. Movie producers, you think about that. Like, they're able to come up with a concept and put it into production, and they get it out a lot quicker than a musical would because they usually are associated with the studio, things like that. With the Broadway show, then you can't just find the investors, say, find the place, let's do it. You've got to then spend all this time training dancers, singers, actors, everything. And then it's just every single night they're putting on performance. It's not just a, you got to make it right one time. We're going to record it, put it out to the masses. You got to be on every single time. So you can't put it out there and they'd be like, oh, just kidding. We got to still work on this Mm -hmm. because that's what those previews were. It's like, oh, let's go back to the drawing boards. And I mean, Carrie, the musical had 16 previews, so they kept trying. And then finally we're like, let's put it out into the real world. Nope. Before we close, what's the best musical you've ever seen? Oh, I'll go first. So I have a um, confession. I've only seen four musicals. 
Okay. I, I appreciate them. What are the four then? Okay. And I'll rank them from my, my favorite to my least favorite. Hamilton is number one. I saw that in Chicago. Number two is Lion King. I saw that on Broadway and in Memphis. Number three is Wicked. I saw that in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And then Cinderella in Memphis. So Hamilton is my number one. I mean... Everybody says Phantom. I've never seen Phantom, but that's always... Phantom doesn't even crack my top five. Really? Uh, Les Mis has not been mentioned once in this episode, and Les Mis is one of my favorites for sure. But I will tell you, there are some productions of it that I'm not crazy about. Really? They changed it at one point and like really made it very minimal of scenery, and it was just more of like actors on the stage. Yeah, about actors. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't as crazy about that, but Les Mis, the music, the story, that is definitely one of my tops for sure. I was very, very impressed with Music Man, with Sutton Foster, and Mr. Wolverine. (laughs) I like that show a lot. It's very fun, but I think the two of them together, it was just fantastic. And and I think that's what's kind of cool is you can have a favorite show that you love and it's going to be a little bit different every time you see it, depending on who is in it. Yeah. And we haven't even mentioned Fiddler. That's all. That's usually in people's Fiddler's list. Fiddler's a great one, too. Court, what's your numero uno? Well, I mean, my, my number one favorite show is, and has always been, for as long as I can remember, has been Les Mis. So that's that's just sort of a, a given. That's It's number one. And there have been some shows that came close to toppling it, but it's just my favorite show, period. I think we got to give a little shout to Memphis, the musical, though. That is... The, did you never see that? No. It was before I moved here. Okay, Memphis, the musical, was... It's a great show. The music is great. I've heard the music. Music is great. It's a cool storyline, for sure. It came out really close to Million Dollar Quartet time frame as well. And so I think those two will always hold a special place in my heart because it is a lot around Memphis and mm. our history, but those are really good. Shows that were on Broadway that I wish I had seen when they were on Broadway that I didn't get to see. How about that? <laughs> I, got, I got at least two for you because I really wanted to see American Idiot on Broadway. Oh, but that was And uh, I would have loved to have seen the production of Spring Awakening that was on Broadway starring Jonathan Groff and Leah Michelle and I didn't get to, I didn't get to get to see that. I've I've actually never seen a production of that show at all anywhere. Nor have I seen a production of American Idiot, but those are two shows that I I like the soundtrack and I would have liked to have seen them, but I didn't. I mean, I do think that when you go to New York, it is one of those that who's leading in it can definitely steer you even if you weren't necessarily interested in the show then, you know, Deborah Messing is going to be in a show in October, I think, in New York. So don't really know much about the show, but that kind of, like, I like her. I may mm-hmm. lean that direction. We, uh, I was supposed to be seeing uh, Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Parker in Plaza Suite, but they both got COVID when I was up there, and so I didn't want to go see their own. They actually canceled the shows because when you don't have both of them, mm-hmm. you don't want to do the show. And I saw uh, a show with Billy Crystal in it. Yeah. It was good. It was him being Billy. (laughs) Two shows that caught me off guard that I didn't expect to like, but that, you know, actually when I went and sat down and watched them, actually blew my mind were, first, I was going to New York with Keiki and her cousin for their high school graduation, and we had tickets to see Tuck Everlasting, but Tuck Everlasting closed before we actually got to New York, so... Mm We had to find a different show to see, and so we just decided to go see Waitress, and I absolutely loved that. I had seen the movie Waitress, and so I was like, ah, a Broadway show based on a movie that was really kind of a downer, but uh, the Broadway show was amazing, and the soundtrack was great, uh, really enjoyed it. And another movie that I thought was, you know, I was like, well, the soundtrack's okay, but the movie I really felt like was kind of a downer was Once. 
And so when I went to see Once the Broadway show, uh-huh. I was like, uh, it's going to be a downer, but you know, at least it's got good music. But I loved the show in a way that the movie just never quite got me. Kind of a little bullseye-ish, I guess. Broadway- well, why don't we just do bullseye? Okay. Broadway is really cool, and it's, I will tell you, it's kind of like with movies. So if you read the book Wicked, it is not anything like the play, because Wicked the book is very dark. Oh, yeah. I loved it personally, but I was expecting a lot more dark with the show, and obviously they couldn't go as dark as the book does. Same with the point of, you mentioned a couple of movies that were really kind of downers, but then the play was totally different. Like, I'm super excited. I want to see Beetlejuice because mm-hmm. they're doing a, that. And I think that's going to have some great music and just be really fun. Yeah, Kiki saw that the other day. <laughs> well, I should call her. And she sees see. some musicals. She sees a ton of shows. See, <laughs> sees the moments. But there's so much of it is that you may not like the show or you, the movie or the book, but Broadway is going to take a different spin on it. And obviously, if it makes it to your hometown, then it's been vetted properly. Mm. It is. It has gone through the ringer. It's gone through a lot of different financing. It's gone through many previews before it makes it to you. So it's probably going to be a decent show. But remember, it's kind of like not every movie is for everybody. Not every Broadway show is for everybody. And there are definitely some shows that I absolutely love the songs, but I'm not going to jump and have to go run and see the show. But Mm. I may still love the music very much. Yeah, I don't know. Probably's fun. Bullseye. Bullseye. (laughs) Um, Okay, so my bullseye is basically Broadway shows are expensive. Going to New York is expensive. But if you don't have a trip to New York to see some Broadway shows on your bucket list, you need to put it there and find a way to save the money and go. And do it right. You know, get a nice hotel. Go see a couple of shows. Go out to some good dinners. Really see the city and enjoy it. It's got so much to offer. Not just Broadway. I mean, New York is the greatest city in the world. Greatest city in the world. I do have to... Sorry, Cam. I got to throw a fun little fact in here because since... Since David Pickler, our boss, does listen to these ahead of time, he would kick me if I didn't share this story. I don't know that it's necessarily as true today, but take the opportunity to get the tickets where you can get the tickets. Um, with this day and age with scalpers, be a little bit more careful. But him and my mom were in London. We're trying to get tickets. Thought they got ripped off. and um, Tickets to Cats, right? I think it was to Cats. I can't remember for sure. but I'm pretty it's, sure it was Cats. It's to Cats, and it was uh, in this small little theater, so probably... On Broadway terms, it would have been an off-Broadway, but obviously it was in London. And they get there and they just feel like they've been ripped off because it's just all they see is the back part of the stage. And then all of a sudden, when it starts, the entire stage rotates. And they are like perfect seats, like may have had some kind of royalty seats that just last minute popped up and they had this opportunity. So... Kiki probably, uh, you know, living and breathing New York air and knowing those things, she may know some tips and tricks about it, but yeah. it's, there are some opportunities where you can get tickets last minute and yeah. really have amazing opportunities. Well, okay. So there's a thing that Kiki does frequently that's called, get, she, she gets rush tickets. And the way you get rush tickets is you go the morning that you want to go see the show. You go the morning and you wait there at the box office. First thing in the morning, there will be a line for any popular show. And if there are any tickets that are available the morning of the show, they will sell them to you for cheap and you can, you know, you can get a seat. And a lot of times, I don't know exactly what circumstances lead to them having tickets. I don't know if it's that people cancel, they had tickets and they cancel or what, but there you can sometimes find available tickets that you couldn't otherwise get by going to the theater first thing in the morning 
And like, if you want to find out more about how to do it, like I said, you can Google rush tickets and find out all about it. Of course, uh, the other very popular way to get tickets for shows on the cheaper side is to go to the TKTS booth, which is right in Times Square. You can't miss it. It's a red booth and you can go up and they have a list of all the shows that they have available and what the prices are. They're usually cheaper than you would pay for full price. The seats may be a little bit less than 100% great, but, you know, whatever. I would be remiss if I didn't point out that uh, another fun thing about Broadway that is absolutely, truly brilliant and I think really brings the show to the people in a way that you just cannot have with a movie or with a TV show is the fact that the Broadway stars, even the biggest Broadway stars, make it a point to come out and meet the people at the end of the show. It's called stage dooring. You wait at the stage door and you'll usually be able to find it after the show because there will be a, a roped off area somewhere around a random door that leads into the theater. And you wait there and the stars will come out and they will talk to you and they will greet you and they're so nice. And if you treat them respectfully, it is a fun activity that will continue for forever and ever. And it's wonderful. These people are, are brilliant and, like I said, so, so nice. So do that. <laughs> My bullseye is a pontification. You know, I've only seen four shows. I've already mentioned that. But after this episode, I'm realizing, hey, I need to go see more. Like, I need to spend the money. And it's also kind of like, I just want to tell people, like, go to your local theater. Go to your high school or your local playhouse and support the arts because it's important. Arts are so important. It makes, it's good for your soul. Those high school kids are going to turn into those Broadway stars one day. The arts are very important. Yes, sports are too, but you think about it as the arts are ultimately high school theater groups and dance groups and all of that, those are what turns into our movie stars, which most people all enjoy that. They may not enjoy the theater, but you think about it, these big names, Hugh Jackman, who is a big movie star, is on Broadway right now. So most people who are in the movies have some background of being in the theater. Yeah, the art's the ultimate form of self-expression, which Did is important. Do you ever do theater? Okay. No, I just did movies. Okay. I, I never did theater, which I, which I should have. It's just too cool. He just does movies. It didn't pay well. <laughs> okay, I think we're done. We've, we could talk for forever about Broadway, but wrap it up, Court. Ladies and gentlemen, there's the closing bell. You've made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service. We're on them all. And sign up to have our podcast delivered directly to your favorite listening device every single Thursday at noon. That's every single Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about Katie, Cameron, or Court, please feel free to go to our website. That's bullcastpodcast.com. You can uh, leave us a message, drop a line to us, uh, suggest a topic if you want to hear us talk about something. We're happy to listen to whatever you got to say. We have pictures on Instagram. That Instagram handle is at bullcastpodcast. And we also have a Twitter handle. That handle is at bullcastpodcast as well. So feel free to check us out there. And finally, Katie, Cameron, and I, all three, what a happy coincidence that this happened to the three of us. Uh, we all met because we work at a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you'd like to find out more about Pickler Wealth Advisors, what it is we do, how it is we do it, and who it is that does it, you want to find out more about our team and our boss, David Pickler, then please feel free to go to our website. That is picklerwealthadvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a lot of information. This is a lot of talk. So I probably, I'm, I'm feeling like I've got you pretty exhausted. So I'm going to let you go. So for now, I'm Court. 
I'm Katie. I'm Cam. And we done. <laughs>